and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. I'm joined by Umar. How do you mate? You good? I'm good, Tom. It's been a while, but I'm glad mm. to be back on with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, it has been a, a ridiculously long time. Maybe it's why our form's dipped so much. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all your fault, is what we're going to say. Um, no, you good? How's things? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, aside from Arsenal losing a bit of momentum, mm. everything's, other than that, everything's fine. Good stuff. Um, yeah, we kick off with someone who isn't without momentum right now, and that's Dunai Emery. Uh, last night, knocking out Bayern Munich from the Champions League. Were you... Is it weird that I wasn't surprised that that actually happened? Like, it doesn't seem surprising to me that he's progressed through, you know, another round of a of a European tournament. He's when it comes to European competitions, Emery's different level. Uh, he's just a mastermind, and I wasn't surprised to be honest. Um, I thought Bayern Munich would prevail, but when Villarreal got that goal and it was 1-0 and the score was continued to be 1-0 and Bayern Munich were not getting that second goal to kill the game off, there was always a uh, glimmer of hope. And Emery said the same thing in his post-match press conference. He said, we never played that good for 88 minutes. We weren't the best, but Bayern Munich made a mistake. They allowed us one chance and that's all we needed. And that's what Unai Emery is in European competitions. He's got a defensive shape for his Villarreal team. Um, the structure is so good. And he thrives on these competitions. He thrives on being the underdog. And I, I credit him, to be honest, because I think in European competitions, the, the guy the guy just steps up a level, different mm. level. And even, even for Arsenal as well, he got us to a European final. And we never experienced that since 2006. So he'd done quite well, I think, in the in the for Arsenal, he finished fifth in the season. This following season wasn't the best, but I think Arsenal fans also need to stop talking about him as well. When they, whenever he picks up a good result, they go back to the fact that oh, Arsenal sacked him. Mm. It's like it's like a relationship, Tom. Sometimes it, it sometimes a break, sometimes a breakup's good. Like it could work, but I, I just think it was the right time for Unai Emery to depart. I feel like you were talking from a very personal place then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> whatever goes on in your life, you know, goes on in your life. Yes, relationship advice straight from the Arsenal way. Uh, good morning, everybody in the chat. Both hope you're doing good and well. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't done so already, please, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe. Uh, Mickey uh, says he wasn't right for the club. Most of our fan base would have chipped in and paid for the f- plane ticket after the final fiasco, uh, of course, in Baku against Chelsea. I. I've always maintained that it was wrong place, wrong time, wrong club uh, for, for Unai Emery. And he has continued to impress with these Spanish teams. Uh, it isn't surprising to me that, you know, with PSG, he was knocked out uh, of the, the Liga title race by Monaco while he was there. Uh, Arsenal, you know, bottled the, the top four race with one point in the end and had we have picked up more than a win or more than a draw and a loss in those games against Palace and Brighton, we would have got into the top four. It's just that frustration um, that was there with Unai Emery. We don't need to look back on it as uh, something to regret. We need to look back on it as a period that we learn from. And I think that so much has changed since Unai Emery has left, the way in which we recruit, the way in which we deal with the score, the way in which we're trying to overhaul and the way in which we're moving forwards, the philosophy, everything has changed. Most there's certainly still things that need to be improved and mistakes that are continuing to be made that need to be addressed it was the right thing to do to move on from Unai Emery. And it's it's very quickly fallen back on 
whenever he does well. Speaking of managerial changes, every Ten Hag looks to be very, very close to joining Manchester United, Umar. Is that a, an appointment that concerns you? I think it's the right appointment for Manchester United um, when you compare the other appointments that they were interested in, like Mauricio Pochettino, um, Luis Enrique. But I'm not I'm not weary. I think Manchester United, they have a lot of work to do with their squad to reshape. Eric Ten Hag has reiterated that to the Manchester United board that this is a four to five year project. So they have so much deadwood. And it's similar to when Arsenal started their project. You could, you could, there's slight comparisons to, make, to be made there where we had so much deadwood in our squad that we needed to get rid of. And Manchester United have the same. They have aging players, they have players who are below par, who are underperforming. So it's going to take time. Eric Ten Hag, he'll, it's, next season, probably going to be a learning curve for him to try and get the Manchester United team into shape. So it wouldn't surprise me if they finish. 8th, ninth, similar to how Arsenal finished in their first few seasons. But I think right now we should be focusing on ourselves, not looking at other teams. I think right now we have a big end of the season coming. Like Tottenham are favourites for sure. The the momentum is with them. But we have we have to do something, to be honest. We have to turn the tide. And the next few games are going to show a lot about this Arsenal team and their mentality. So next season is going to be good as well. So if we don't get into the top four this season, I don't think it's the be or end all. I don't think it's, oh, we didn't get into the top four this season. This this is our best chance in many years. But I think next season, Manchester United, they're going to be in a progression year. Chelsea may not be the same team. Who knows? The new mm-hmm. ownership, it, it, it could it could play into um, um, into Arsenal's hands. Tottenham as well. You never know with Conte and Levy. So I think I think we just need to focus on ourselves. And if we can do that, I think I think good times are coming. Mm, I love the optimism. I think that for me, Eric Ten Hag is a, is a strange choice because I just can't see Manchester United giving him the time that he would need at the club. And that's that's the problem. And you've seen like under Ralph Ranić, a, play, a person who's a, a really good coach, in my opinion, not necessarily from the perspective of um, a Premier League level, but he did some amazing things with in, in Germany and has changed the philosophy of, of football, especially in that country. And the way in which he's really generated a style of play as well um, it is important to see what you appreciate about a coach. But a Man United it's it's just not fit because they haven't got the squad, the players. It's going to take so much time for Ten Hag to recreate what he's done at Ajax. I mean, it's impossible for him to recreate what he's done at Ajax because it's such a different environment. You've got a situation there where Ajax tend to dominate much of the division in, in the Netherlands. And I think that when you're able to give so much time to young players to develop and bring them through, sell them on, replace them, bring through the next iteration, take as far as you can in, in the European competitions as well, and when he got to that European semi-final in the Champions League, you know, that team was was an insane group of players um, that have obviously much have now moved on elsewhere. Frankie de Jong and De Ligt, et cetera, have moved elsewhere. And I think that that time that he had with that team was, however brief it was, highlighted that, sure, he can take a very good group of players quite far, but he needs time still at Man United. And I don't think that Man United team are a group of players. They're a collective of individuals. And I think that's what will hold them back. So we'll see how they do in the summer. It'll also be interesting to see how 
Donny van der Beek does coming back there as well after his loan spell at Everton and how that will affect him. I imagine that van der Beek will be absolutely buzzing uh, knowing that Ten Hag would be coming in, that's for sure. Um, the final topic to discuss before we go to your questions in the chat box, so if you've got any questions you'd like to throw in, please start getting them in there and we'll go through some of them uh, at the end of the show, is on this striker situation. Continually, statistics keep getting thrown around social media as to the, the dire nature of Arsenal's Alex Lacazette problem, how few goals he scored, the comparison with relegation rival candidate strikers and how few they've uh, he scored in comparison to them. The number of big chances that Arsenal are missing with Lacazette as striker. Is, have you cut the cord at this point? Are you changing him for the game against Southampton at the weekend? I think you have to, to be honest. Um, especially like momentum is going to be big in these next few upcoming games. We've got Chelsea and Manchester United back-to-back after that Southampton game. And they're going to be tough, tough games. And I think if there's a time to change it, it's now. Lacazette has been given a number of opportunities. He's been given a number of chances and he's underperformed. And it's not his fault, to be honest. He can only do as much as he's capable of doing. I think it's down to Mikel Arteta to make that decision now. Fair enough, Aubameyang left, Balogun's gone out on loan, Arteta made that decision, but he can't just keep persisting with Lacazette because it's the only option. As a manager, as a coach, you have to think of different solutions. And for me, just right now, we're not the favourites for the top four. So we're basically the ones chasing. So make the risk. Let's see what happens. Uh, most Arsenal fans don't think we're going to get into the top four now. So what's the what's what's the difficult of not trying to make a solution? So I'd play Martinelli up front, give him a go. I don't think going forward he is going to be a striker. I still think he's a left winger in my eyes. But give him a shot up front. I think Southampton, after that defeat against Chelsea, 6-0, they'll be feeling a bit nervy. They'll be feeling a bit intimidated. So it's down to us to go to their ground and perform and take the game to them. And I think with Lacazette, we can't do that because he plays so deep. He doesn't have the athleticism to run in behind the defence. And most of the time, you're playing with 10 players. So for me, I think now's opportunity. Just take him out of the firing line. Give an opportunity to Martinelli and see what he can do. Because who knows if he can perform well it could at least give an option for next season, but we won't know until he's given a few games to try his luck. Yeah, I think that with with Lacazette, it has to be changed now. Like You can't expect to get into the top four if you keep trying the same thing over and over again. It's not working. It's the definition of insanity. We need to make sure that we are keeping it fresh. I don't know whether or not the priority would be to go to, say, a Martinelli or an Inquietia first before you, say, really push the boat out and go for, say, even a Nicolas Pepe to be tried as centre-forward. I certainly would be open to that. I think that Martinelli is better in a wide area, and I think the difference with Pepe is that there is a, a level of unknown about it, a level of unpredictability about it that he could flourish, and we don't know. He has played there before. He didn't in the season before he joined us, but the season prior to that, he played at centre-forward a few times for uh, for Lille. So I think that it's an option that we have that we can try and use. I also think he's one of the best finishers that we've got when in those situations, you know, you can count on him to to, to take a good effort at goal and, and showed that in the Wolves game in particular. So why not give him an opportunity? I don't think he will. My prediction would be that Lacazette will start the game against Southampton still because I think Arteta will look at it saying, 
we've got to try and play him into form, which is just not the way that I would do it. Um, Lynn asking the question there, would you play Martinelli and Pepe up front? I would pay. I think we both would play either of those two over Lacazette right now. Um, Hyper B Peeney uh, says in the chat, realistically, Umar, how long do you feel it will take Newcastle to become a rival to Arsenal in the league? If they keep splashing the cash, of course, sooner than we think. I think money talks in this modern era and Newcastle, they will stay up this season. They they spent a lot of money, but they spent money on adequate signings, signings that will do the job. Um, Dan Byrne, Chris Wood, Bruno Gimarej is starting to come into his own. But once they stay up, every transfer window, they're going to be spending money. It's not only going to be a summer transfer window, it's going to be the winter window, summer transfer window. And... It depends. It depends. But they're a big club. They're a massive club. Mm. But you, it just depends on Arsenal as well. It depends on Arsenal's ambition in the window. Say if we don't get top four, hopefully we're not just right, like focusing, putting all our eggs in the top four basket. And if we don't get it, the money is cut. And we don't have the funds required this window because it will be stupid. And Mikarte has said it. In his prior press conferences, he's kept on saying the same thing. We need squad depth. We need this amount of players to basically challenge. And I think we do. So as long as Arsenal ambitious, I think we should be okay. We still should be challenging for the upper echelons of the table. But if we lose that ambition, I think Newcastle will overtake us sooner than we think. Mm, it is a worry. Uh, it's a real concern what they can do and the capabilities in the day because they have ambitions to you know to become another Manchester City in the league and you've seen that already in January what they were doing it should start sounding the alarm bells um however what I would say is that people that are worried about what Arsenal can and can't do in the window um because they don't have Champions League football well you know Newcastle aren't going to have any European football this season next season and if they end up going out and and buying top quality talent it shows that you can do it it might require a bit more money to do so but you know it, it shows what you can do to try and get where you want to go. Uh, Mehdi says, who would you play at left-back in the back four if not Tavares against Southampton? Not Shaka. <laughs> not yeah. Granit Shaka. Um, that's that's for certainty. And I wouldn't even play Bukayo Saka. I've seen a lot of shouts on social media saying put Bukayo Saka as a left-back, but that would just affect us even more going forward attacking-wise. We're not creating that many chances anyway as it is we're not scoring enough goals so I think Nuno Tavares has to start mm. for me he has to play a left back there is no other option I think I think Tommy Yasu's you don't know when he's going to come back it's not going to be against Southampton maybe it won't be in the following weeks after so if you have a left back even if he's below par even if he's underperforming you still have to put him, give him a bit of confidence. Brighton was the perfect game, I think, for Nuno Tavares to come in. Home game against a team which is not not going to be too attacking. But Mikotea decided against that, opted against it. But for Southampton, like I said, they just come on the back of a 6-0 defeat. They're going to be nervous. Ralph hassan all he's basically on summer holidays with the Southampton team. <laughs> They're just thinking about next season. So yeah. bring him in, give him a bit of form. You don't, you, you can't keep dropping players if they have a bad game. And right now we don't have the options at left back. So for me, Tavares has to start because 
I don't want to see Granit Xhaka be moved and then the whole team, because then it affects Odegaard, then it affects Saka, because they don't have that relationship going forwards. So, yeah, just if you have a left back, play him in that position. So, yeah, Tavares has to start. I, I really am frustrated by the, the decision not to to play him against Brighton. Um, there's a concern that he just doesn't seem to like the the player profile, and that um, that's worrying. Considering he's one of the players that we signed under his tenure, um, and he played so well in the first half of the season, keeping you know Tierney out of the team for so many so many games. Even when he returned from injury, he was keeping him out of the team. So. There's a player there. I personally switched to a back three. I think that it's just something that we need to do, trying to give ourselves that foundation again. Tavares in a, in a wing-back role, I think, is would be a different player that can enable himself to focus on that forward momentum and, and offensive potential rather than so focused on that defensive side of the game. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a long end of the season. I think we can agree on that one. Just one final question. Uh, from Lynn, who says, do you think that the Cronkies have the same ambition as Arteta to get where we need to be? Just a very, a, an easy yeah. one to finish. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very difficult question. I think if you're talking about Stan Cronkie, no. But I think Stan Cronkie has basically given Josh the authority to do what he wants with Arsenal. Arsenal's Josh Cronkie's baby now, I think. Mm. And I like that Josh Cronkie has been coming into interviews He's more open with the Arsenal fan base that we never seen before. But Arteta is a very, very ambitious manager. And I don't think either Josh is a, as ambitious as him. Because Arteta, he's worked with Pep Guardiola, one of the best managers ever to grace the game. And he knows what that Manchester City team has done to get where they are. He's seen what Liverpool have done with Jurgen Klopp to get where they are. And he knows at the moment Arsenal are nowhere near. You look at the game, Liverpool-Manchester City on the weekend. For 90 minutes, that performance from both teams was amazing. Then you look at last night, Real Madrid versus Chelsea. Chelsea were excellent. They Mm. went out, but they performed so good. And that's where Arteta wants to be. We don't want to be performing for 50 minutes, 60 minutes against Manchester City and Liverpool and thinking that's enough. Yeah, it was a good first-half performance against Liverpool this season. It was a good first-half performance against Man City this season. But it's not enough to where we want to be. We need to be doing it week in, week out for 90 minutes. And that's... You need funds. You need big attacking players. You need goal scorers. And you need players who are match winners. So I think Arteta is overly ambitious for them. It's a good thing. But do the Cronkays have the same ambition as him I don't think so I don't think so I I think it's a really as I said it's a really difficult one um, because since 2018 when they got full ownership of the club you know there has been a, a shift in the way in which we invest in which the way in which we spend um, which gave me encouragement but you had the whole Super League fiasco that happens the detachment with the fans the way in which they're trying to build bridges though with the fan advisory board with the fan forums etc you know, there's, there's some element of an or some semblance of an effort being made, but we just need to see the evidence on the pitch and in the transfer window and, and more of what we've already seen in the summer of 2021 that we were able to spending, you know, a significant amount of money. We're able to spending it smartly and on the correct players to push us forwards. And that's hopefully what we will see in the summer. And it will depend on obviously where we finish as to how successful, how, you know, how we can implement our plans and where what competition we're in. But still, you're hoping that we were doing enough to push us in the right direction. Umar, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time as always. Always a pleasure, Tom. Always. 
Lovely stuff. Thank you, Chatbox, for joining us. Before you go, please do drop a like on the video. It takes you just a second, and it really does help us out. Subscribe to the channel if you're new, and subscribe as well to uh, everything that we're doing over at Football.London in terms of our written work. You'll have more content from us throughout the week and moving forwards until the end of the season. Looking forward to what hopefully will be a positive end, and obviously we'll bring you Mikel Arteta's press conference, which I believe Umar is on Friday. Correct. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think early, early as well. I think it's a 10 o'clock presser, so... Uh, it will be an early stream um, for you guys, so make sure you put it up. Uh, see you soon. Have a good day, and as always, keep following us down the Arsenal. Oh!